0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Now let's give the tech team and the praise team just kind of a quick thank you. <laughs> you didn't see the panic earlier when all of a sudden the system went down and said we're restarting and we're updating and we're gonna throw your <laughs> morning into a tizzy. But you'd never would have known, would you? Which is so cool. all right what are you doing this morning i hope you're here excited i hope you're here i I don't know how connected people are even though you're here i mean it's one of those things where i think we've kind of gotten into this kind of mode of the six foot barrier (laughs) that we've got to keep around us and like even the people that we normally see or normally talk to or whatever, we're, we're keeping kind of at a distance. And, and the one thing that I've learned is isolation is not good for God's people. <laughs> we are built for community. Um, and so it's, it's important that even as we meet, let's continue to get into each other's lives. Let's continue to talk about what's going on in ours. But even more importantly, let's talk about what God is doing now little johnny went to church and when he came home over lunch mom asked him what did you learn in church today little johnny and he said it was amazing the teacher talked about moses going behind enemy lines to save the israelites And he got them out secretly. And when he got to the Red Sea, his engineers built this pontoon bridge. And this was amazing. And they crossed the Red Sea. And then he got on his walkie-talkie. And he got reinforcements to come in. And these bombers came in and blew up the pontoon bridge. It was amazing. And they were saved. (laughs) And he said, his mom said, now, Johnny, That's really not what you learned in church today. And little Johnny sighed, if I were to tell you the way my teacher told it to me, it would be completely different and completely boring and you would not believe any of it. (laughs) And I think sometimes that's how we come to the word of God. This could never happen today. God could never do this again. These things are just history that we read. And we detach ourselves from the awe of God, the amazement of God, how strong he truly is. And the thing is, is when we start to live that way and we start to operate that way, we start to live and operate in our own strength. Instead of going to God and allowing him to come into our lives and uplift us and build us. So I want to give you a little bit of a perspective as we go into the word today. What the Bible is not is one of those perspectives I want you to gain. It's not a history of how religion developed, a compendium of sacred religious thought, a book of moralistic insights to help us live our lives better, an encyclopedia of theology for people who want to make sure they believe the right things, a catalog of stories about noble people who made the right choices, or a rule book for how to be good enough for God to accept us into eternal life. That's not what it is. And and it's hard. I know know we talk about study and devotions and all those kinds of things, and it's so easy to pick this up and be academic You know, I fight that in my my own life all the time. It's like, it's, it's not about learning details and all this kind of stuff. It's like, let me see another facet of God. His heart, his attitude, his perspective on life, his guidance for me. Let me see that and not just pick up how many people crossed the Red Sea or how many things happened in this event. Let me see God. It's one account from cover to cover with God's explanatory notes. It's the most amazing, radical, fear-dispelling, hope-giving book you could ever want to read. It's a writing that is incredibly honest and tremendously hopeful all at the same time. Quick quote, too, before we kind of press on and get into our, our study. Paul Tripp has this to say about the Bible. The plot of Scripture will make you understand things you've never understood before, see things you would have been blind to, This story addresses your deepest questions and most terrifying fears. It has a shocking beginning, a horrible dilemma and an unexpected solution and a glorious ending. It is the story of stories, the one narrative that every human being needs to hear and understand. The story of the Bible is a death and life story. The stink of death and the fragrance of life are on every page. It can make you weep and celebrate It can produce more sadness and deeper joy than you thought you could ever experience. Do you read the scriptures as a story? Are you captivated by its plot? Are you hooked on every word spoken by the main character, Christ? Are you in awe of its author? The Bible is the story of Christ coming to earth to defeat sin and death and to restore a perfect, eternal relationship to the creatures he made In his likeness. Take a moment and just think about we're going to meet him one day. We are going to be in his presence. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Because everything I read, when people come into his presence, his holiness is so overwhelming, it compels us to worship. Now the thing is, is we don't have to wait to be physically in in that moment in his presence. We can live that way today. And a lot of that is learning how to wait on him, how to look for him, how to understand his hand in the circumstances of life that we come into and the thing is, is and if nothing, if this year has taught us nothing, it is so easy to just get caught up in all these things that we have to do just to get through the day, just to pass the time, just to get to the next week. The world has become so skillful at drawing us into these crazy circumstances that just demand, 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 demand our focus, our attention. Because if we get closer to God, guess what? We're going to be radically different people. And when we get closer to God and become radically different people, other people are going to see it. I so appreciate Melanie's prayer. You know, we need to be out there showing the difference, being the difference, talking about the difference. That's what God has called us to. To be a peculiar people, not in a weird freako psycho way. (laughs) Not those people, no, no, no. People who where God's hand is evident, God's hand is obvious, that it cannot be missed. And today we're going to look at literally one verse, well, we're going to focus on one verse, there'll be a few others that'll be salt and peppered in throughout the way. And then at the end, and this will probably be one of the few times that I'll say, our feelings are very important. Because how you feel at the end is going to unearth some things for you. So be ready for the end. I'm not like, you're, we are. Could you please get on with it? <laughs> All right. Isaiah 40, chapter 40, there we go, verse 28. Now, interestingly enough, if I, I would challenge you to read what's prior to this. It is riveting. It is incredible. And it, in fact, the 27 verses prior to this verse, there are a minimum of 17 characteristics of God. Now, I just picked out the ones that were obvious. If you kind of dissected and picked through, there are actually some more there. But the real obvious ones, there's 17, just to kind of talk about who God is, his heart, his feelings, his thoughts, his mind, all that kind of stuff. Then we get to verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? And that may sound familiar to you, because if you read a lot in the New Testament, Christ asks that question a lot. Have you not read? Do you not know these things? Because it's like, if, <laughs> in order for us to live a certain way, we have to know some things. And then if we're not living according to, that, according to those things that we know, it kind of begs the question, have you not heard? Have you not known these things? But it says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Now, several years ago, Walt did a fantastic series on worldview. And just the, the value and the importance of what our worldview is, how it affects our life completely. It affects our decisions, it affects so much of our life. But I think we also have to have the right God view for the Bible to to have the impact it needs to have in our lives. Because it's like, if we have the Evan Baxter God view, he's just somebody that we can kind of interact with, like a peer, it's kind of negotiable, whatever. And I think we are the ones that miss out and are at a loss when we do that with God. But when we understand who he truly is and understand what he wants in our lives, I mean, just, it's like, try to slow your mind down for a minute. Just the everlasting God now, interesting thing, this word everlasting, without end, in either direction. And that's literally what the word means. It's <laughs> without end, in either direction. So it's, you just keep going, God, you keep going, God, everlasting. I mean, that in and of itself is just mind-blowing. Because you know, we deal with the you know, beginning, middle, and end all the time. In stories, and lives, you know, we have people that have come in and gone out of our lives. We're very comfortable with that. But to think about there is someone who has always been and will always be and is the constant, it really is mind-blowing. But not only is he everlasting, because he's just not an everlasting being, he's everlasting God. And this is Elohim, which means the plural supreme being. So that's where we get, we have that understanding that God is you know, kind of three in one, but he's one and he's simple. He's everlasting. And when we finally take that and start to apply it to, okay, this is the one person that has come into my life as a Christian and wants to do a work and wants to know me, wants to understand me, wants to do something through me. And that's the thing I think we have to realize. God wants to do something through every single person in this room. He wants us all. He has a plan for us all. And he's the only person that can do that plan and hold it all together and make it all work. And guess what? It works so much better when we're all on board. Ever been in one of those situations where you're trying to you know, wrangle a room full of cats and it's just, it's not working? That's hard work, trying to get people (laughs) to do stuff. And the larger the group, the more crazy it gets. But God can do this. And it becomes more effective when we're on board. Now, a few of these characteristics, I'm going to kind of, we're listing several of his attributes as we look at these different things. So with with respect to everlasting God, he's eternal. God exists endlessly. His existence extends endlessly, backward and forward without interruption, limitation, caused by succession of events, one indivisible present. He's immutable, unchangeable, unchanging. I can count on him and God will never fail. He is infinite, has no bounds or limits. He is omniscient, knows everything things actual and possible, effortlessly and equally well. He is unity, one God who is indivisible. And the thing is, is, okay, great, that's who he is. Now if we look at this, there's two ways that we can look at it and two things that we can do with it. And to me it all comes down to belief. It's like, Well, I believe in God. That's great. But do you go to the next step? Because when we don't believe the truth about who God is, we choose other things and make other plans. Because you know, when we really think about, okay, if this is what we believe about God, he is an everlasting God, and he is calling me to do something, to be something, you would think we would be about that business, right? And again, it's not that he wants us all to be pastors. He wants us all to be missionaries. God doesn't want that. I mean, you look at Adam. He wanted him to be a farmer. You know, do that work. Work the the ground. There are other things. And it's like we can get so tunnel vision on what, what doing something incredible for God looks like. That we just kind of discount it. Now, Philippians 3.18 says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And I mean, there are people who just refuse to yield to what God would have them to do, the ways he would have him to live. They just out and out refuse. Second Peter 2 Peter 2.10 says, But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. It's like, oh, that's not me. I'm not not that severe. But we think about it. Almighty God. Everlasting God. Again, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip, but I I just want to elevate how we see God and the fact that he knows what it's all about. And sometimes we think, you know, God's God's options are like there are... Literally, that they're options, it's an opinion, and it's like, Yeah, yeah, I agree with these, I'll do these, those, not so much. And we live that way, and it's like the thing that I want to help us understand is you're being robbed, you're being robbed of an unbelievably deep, rich, bountiful, blessed life as a believer. First John 1.6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And I just want us to not be blinded by what the world wants us to see. And the constant calling. I mean, you look at things and everything is set up to grab our attention. To make us discontent. To think that we need something else, or we should be something else, or we want something else. And those things are going to do something in our life, and we can pursue those things innocently. And still get robbed by what God has for us, if we're not careful. Now when we believe God is everlasting, we trust his wisdom and yield to what he has to say. Think about who he is. 1 John 1, 1 1-3, everybody's familiar with it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He knows our DNA. He knows everything about us, every single molecule and atom. He gets it. He gets us it's, it's <laughs> I forgot, I meant to bring up a butter knife because I wanted to ask a lot of people, how many use this as a screwdriver? <laughs> Too many of us, right? When we're in a jam. <laughs> but it's, yes, it'll work as a screwdriver, not well. <laughs> it will mess up the, the butter knife, it will mess up the screw, it will mess up a lot of things. And sometimes that's what we do with our lives. (laughs) We use it for the wrong thing. And it hurts us. And it hurts other things. And it hurts other people. Because we're not being used or we're not living out the design that we were designed for through God. And it's, you know, it's really, it's coming to grips with God knows better. God knows me better than I know me. And we all think we know we, me pretty good, right? And I don't mean me, I mean you me. Not me me, you me. <laughs> John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father, full of grace. And I, I have to think, God was like, I've got to remove all of the little complaints. Well, you've never been a human, God. Yes, I have. Okay, check. Let's move on. (laughs) I mean, to that point, he he knows us. He knows what it's like to be in this earth suit. He knows what it's like to have to deal with exhaustion. He knows what it is like to have a sunburn, all those crazy kinds of things. He knows it. Even without having to become one of us, he knew it, but just to relate, (laughs) I think, sometimes. But that was part of his plan. I don't want to minimize his plan. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is unsearchable. The Lord. This is Jehovah. Self-existent. Eternal. And let's not forget the other attributes that really encompass this: the Lord. He is holy, positively pure, and distinct from all others. Love seeks the highest good and glory of his children. No selfishness. Righteous, his nature and actions do not violate any moral laws of his own or his making. He is truth, it's just what we read. He is consistent with himself that he is all that he should be that he has revealed himself as he really is, and that he and his revelation are completely reliable. And I think sometimes we struggle with the Lord piece. Because that means we've got to be yielded. We've got to surrender. And to me, the, the part that's so amazing is God wants us to choose that. There's so many things he could do to force us. There's so many things he could do to make us feel guilty or shameful or whatever. But salvation removes all that. It eliminates that, which to me, it almost makes it harder. It almost makes it harder to yield because it makes it so easy to just live in my own strength and do my own thing and not have to focus on what God wants. But he wants us to understand him, understand the fact that he's the everlasting God, understand that he is Lord and that he has this rightful place. And and the thing that I, I, you know, the world has become so skillful at making us believe that if we live Christian lives, we're giving up so much. We're not, we are being saved from so much that will damage us and injure us and create problems and the benefits are unbelievable as his people but we've got to come to that place we've got to choose that and to me it just it elevates god even more he is not afraid to wait He is not afraid to to just do this incredible stuff around us. I mean, one thing that is really cool about social media is you can see just people that are out in nature and just appreciate it and just, they're in awe of it. And the pictures you see are great. And I, I thoroughly enjoy that aspect of social media. Probably one of the few. And it's true. If we don't understand God is at work around us, we're not looking. Because it's everywhere. And he is Lord of it all. Now when we don't believe the truth about who God is, we allow things in our life that will do more damage than good. Things that are unholy, unloving, unrighteous, and just are out and out lies about what they're going to do for us. And we have to be cautious. You know, if there's one example, right, that we have, is we all want to be, right? Walt's done it time and time again. And we never make the giant step over there to the craziness. But I mean, this last year, I, you know, I, I'm, my heart breaks when I hear men of God that make crazy choices and do stupid things and end up over there. And it's you know, one little thing and one little thing and one little thing and one little thing, and we've got to be cautious. We've got to beware. And the thing is, is you know, yes, there is damage the whole way. The thing is, is it's not as obvious because going from here to here, it's 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 just it's not as obvious. But it's like you know, how much septic tank do you want in your drinking water? A drop? No, but it's literally, that's what happens. One one step is one more drop, one more drop, one more drop, one more drop until you're standing in the sewer and it's all a mess. Yes, get that nasty, gross picture in your mind because that's what sin does. It corrupts, corrupts, corrupts the whole way through. And some of this stuff has become so acceptable along the way and God's going, no, it's sewer. He is holy, pure. Nothing can touch him like that. And he wants us to understand that those things are going to ruin your life. Eliminate them. And you know what they are for you. I know what they are for me. We can't allow even just one drop. Because then, guess what? The next step is a possibility. You have to just erase the fact that I don't want to take one step in that direction. And I'm not talking living like a crazy person, please. I think you know me. I'm talking about realistic Christian living here. Romans 13:13, 13, 13, let us walk properly as in daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Boy, that you can go from there to there, that's a crazy list, huh? 1 Corinthians 3.3 3, For you are still of the flesh for while there is jealousy and strife among you are you not of the flesh and behaving only, as a, only in a human way. We're believers. Well, hopefully you're a believer today. Hopefully you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Hopefully you've come into the family of God. We should look different. Otherwise, how is the world going to see Christ? How will they see him? How will they know him if we blend in? And again, I'm not talking being crazy, people. I'm not. But when we believe he is Lord, we will surrender in how we live our lives and move toward holiness, placing him first, making him preeminent, which is what we're called to, Colossians 1.18. It says, he is the head of the body, the church, He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. It's taken, it takes people years to perfect this. That's why we, the sooner you start, the younger you are in here, all you young people, start now. It's a lifelong process to make God first. It's so easy to just do your own thing and live in the flesh, live in your own strength. It's easy, that's easy. But the, the more skillful you become in putting God first, asking him how this should go, just taking a breath, taking a breath. It's funny, the housing market, I think, has returned to what it was when we first moved here. I remember I was standing in a house. The realtor said, you have 15 minutes to make an offer. I said, I don't operate that way. He says, well, if you want this house, you need to. I said, well, I guess God has already given me my decision. Let's move on. It's just, that's what the world does. That's where we've become. It's just, and we feel like we got to keep up, and we got to catch up, and we got to go. And we live in this out-of-breath minute. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more as we get to the bottom here. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Truth, cover to cover. But we can't just identify it as truth. We have to live it as truth. Live in the truth. Adopt to its ways. And it's hard. Some of us, you know, for some of us, some of these things, oh, they're simple. I can do that. I can do that. And for others, that steps on our toes a little bit. That's a little harder to do. But who's asking us? It's not just some crazy old man that lives in our neighborhood. No, it's Almighty God, the everlasting God, the Lord of the universe. He's asking us. And not only that, he's, he's not even compelling us to. He's saying, if, if you live this way, this, these things will happen. If you do this in your life, your life will change. If you incorporate these things in your life, it will be better. You will be blessed. And that's the cool part. He even gives us an incentive. He will bless us. It's not just like things will be different. He will bless us. So we've got to be willing to live this way. 1 Peter 3.15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And I, I think that's part of the transformative piece here when we sanctify God in our heart, when he becomes the first thing and when we are pursuing him and pursuing what he wants for us, people are going to notice. And I think sometimes that's what scares us the most. (laughs) Because we're going to have to give an answer. Why did you say that to so-and-so? Why don't you go out to such-and-such and do this? Uh, uh, (laughs) cuz? Why are we ashamed of the gospel? Why are we afraid to talk to people about God? Because the world has conditioned us that, oh, you're one of those freaks, you're one of those Bible thumpers. Thank God, I will be one until the day I die because it's like I lived like the world and it destroyed me. That's what it will do. Yes, I will live differently. If you want to hear the destroyed life, I will tell you that. And then I will tell you what God did and how it changed my life and how much better I am and the fact that I am here because I'm choosing to live a godly life. Amen, Amen. absolutely. Pressing on. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. And it's just, you know, I look at things and I go, "Hmm, that's interesting." Just he didn't stop at the creator. The creator of the ends of the earth. And I think that again, carrying that whole, you know, the you know, we we learn in science that, you know, it's space is always growing and getting bigger, but not bigger than him. He's got the ends in his sight. And he's created it all. And it's very interesting. The Hebrew word here for creator is creator. (laughs) It's really cool. He creates. He is free, independent of his creatures and his creation. He is not in any way obligated to us. He chose to initiate his relationship with us. He is omnipotent, all-powerful, able to do anything consistent with his nature and as he chooses. He is omnipresent, everywhere present with his whole being at all times. That alone, I mean, how long could you ponder that? That's the one aspect of who God is. I mean, that is just to really try to even, I mean, you'll be like, in a corner, you know, after a while. He is simple, not divisible or composed of parts or multiple substances. He is sovereign, the chief being of the universe. This is who he is. This is what he's offering to us. That's the part that's incredible. It's not just like, hey, here's who I am. But he's offering to be part of our lives. He's offering to get into them in a way that's going to change us and better us. And your right hand. Alright, when we do not believe the truth about who God is, we diminish who he is and see him like anyone else. Kind of like the Evan Baxter thing. Just another person with an opinion. Romans 125 challenges us. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And that is so easy to do. And that's why we're warned to not do it. When we believe he is creator to the ends of the earth, we understand there is nowhere he cannot go, nothing he cannot see, and we'll honor him highly and walk in his ways. Romans 8, 38 and 39, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nowhere to hide. He's there. And the cool part is he wants to love us. He's not there just to rub stuff in our face. He's not there just to kind of hit us up aside the, the head and go, you know, why can't you get it right yet? No. He's there to love us. And to draw us into love. Love for each other. Love for him. Love for his plans. Love for what he has. And it's a far, far better way to live. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And again, I, I don't want to get checklisty, but it's just. You're going to be prone to walk in God's ways if you really love him, if you believe this is who he is and this is what he asks and this is what he wants. It is literally that simple. Do this. You love me, do this. You love me, do that. It's that simple. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. And here's the cool part. Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And this idea here, faints. The word there is really to tire or to get tired. Now, how many of you get tired? <laughs> Only three of you. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, this idea, excuse me, I'm weary is to gasp, to be exhausted. And just, you know, think about it. I mean, I, you know, once upon a time, I know, I know runners. And it's like, you know, there's, after a certain point, you just, you know, air is just a premium. God does not get to that point. He does not gasp. He does not tire. That's not who he is. And he's on our side. When we believe he doesn't faint or grow weary, we comprehend his omnipotence and our weakness necessitating to wait on him to receive his strength when ours fails. And I think this sometimes becomes the challenge for us. Because the world says, don't let anybody see you weak. Don't become vulnerable. Don't become that person. And God's saying, that's where I want you. (laughs) Because I want you dependent on me. I want you in, in my world. Because it's going to be beneficial. John 30, I'm sorry, John 3.30 puts it this way. He must increase, but I must decrease. More and more of him. When we believe his understanding is unsearchable, we default to God's omniscience and disregard our plans and ways and replace them with all he provides. And I want to mention something just at this point because it's like, well, let me read the verse first and then I'll, I'll make a comment. Romans eleven thirty four. 34, it says, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? He gets it all. He knows it all. And the cool part is, is when we get to that place where we go, you know, Lord, all right, I'm going to yield my plans. I'm going to just, you know, I, I'm not going to take this control anymore and I'm going to let you do it. And the thing is, is because he is so loving, because he is so caring, because he, he wants to do good things, he's a, the ultimately good father. Oftentimes he will do those things that we want, anyway. But see, if we don't believe that, we're going to go, oh, no, I can't. I go with this. I'm just going to try to figure out how I can do it. And we lose. We lose. And we have to exhaust a whole lot of strength, effort, and energy. Home stretch. Here we go. Are you waiting on the Lord or walking in your own strength? Finally, you've gotten here. My goodness. The cool part is, is the rest of this chapter gives us some insight and helps us kind of, gives us a litmus, so to speak. Isaiah 40, starting in verse 29, says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So if you're living in your own strength, you'll know. You will be tired. You will be exhausted. You will be falling down. Because that's what our own strength, we can only go so far. And boy, if you're over 25, you know that. (laughs) Your body is betraying you on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. It's true. Because the flesh breaks down. But the spirit is a completely different situation. And when you allow God and you wait on him and allow him to come in, him to give you strength, him to make a difference... That's exactly what you get, a difference. In all of this, God desires to wait for his creation to do this with a free will and of their own accord. He wants genuine followers that understand the basic elements of all he's done, is doing, and will do. Because he is the one true God. God. There's a rich history that God is true to his word. It starts here and goes here. We've got a few thousand years that prove he does what he says. We can trust him. And It's always baffled me that people can trust him with eternity, but they struggle with today. They struggle with the next hour. So today, my question for you Will you choose to wait on the Lord and receive all he has for you or will you continue to walk in your own strength which will ultimately come or end in fainting, falling, being weary? That's probably not what it says up there. What does it say? Will you choose to wait on the Lord and receive all he has for you or will you continue to walk in your own strength and faint, become weary, and utterly fall? The cool part is the choice is yours. Choose you this day who you will serve. Pray with me. Father, we come before you. We're thankful, Lord, for actually, Lord, I'm more humbled. I'm so humbled because you are so good, so holy, so righteous, so pure, and so true. And you had to pay for the stuff that we did, you had to pay for our sin. And Lord, you still want the relationship. You still want to get close to us. You still want to be such a part of our lives because of your love. And Lord, we can't do anything else but praise your name, worship your name. And Lord, I pray that as we walk out of these doors, we will be different. We will be closer to you. We will understand you better. And Lord, that we will wait on you to receive your strength, your power, to live a life here that is obviously Christian, so that we can reach others with your word. We praise you, Lord. We honor you. We magnify your name now, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.